to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome on this holiday weekend to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and this is part of the Stoppage Time Soccer Show Podcasting Network. We are going to be talking some MLS playoffs um, on this somber occasion for my fellow Philadelphia Union fans. And uh, jubilation for any sort of New England Revolution fans who finally get a win against the Union uh, out of the five times they've played this season. Uh, so we are going to get into that, but first things first, we're going to talk about the first game, which was Toronto FC versus Nashville SC, and part of the problem with the structuring of the playoffs uh, was this match started at 6 o'clock, and because of it going into extra time, it ran into... Uh, I think even before it reached extra time, it ran into the start time of the Philadelphia game. Uh, so, And then we had like almost 30, 45 minutes uh, between the Union game and the Seattle game. So, uh, very oddly scheduled uh, games, I guess, here. But Toronto, the two seed in the East against the, uh, was it the eighth seed? No, the seventh seed, uh, Nashville SC. Um, actually, no, this probably would have been the ninth seed, right? Because the eighth seed is the, is the Revs. Anyway, regardless, Nashville gets into the playoffs. They face off against Toronto FC. Nashville knocked out, uh, their, uh, I guess, rivals, their, um, expansion rivals, Inter-Miami, and we get a Toronto-Nashville game. And let me say... Nashville looked the better team while they had less possession. When you look at the possession, 62% to Toronto, 38% to Nashville. But looking at total shots, Nashville had 21 shots to Toronto's 12. You know, they had less passing and stuff, more fouls, more offsides. That's probably due to the, you know, chances that they're creating there. But they also had six shots on target out of those 21 and four shots on target for Toronto. But just the eye test, too, just watching the game, Nashville looked like they were ready for anything. And Toronto uh, just kind of underperformed here. Now, this was also the first game, I think, in a while that Josie Altidore was back from injury. Michael Bradley was back. And I think sometimes when you have that sort of issues where you're having players come back for 
you know, after extended time off, it just ends up, you know, not everybody's in sync. And I think that's exactly what happened in Toronto. Plus, they had a very tough stretch where uh, they could have won the Supporter Shield last day of the season. Didn't, but they've also been playing away from home since MLS is back. Uh, you know, the, they're they're playing in Connecticut. Hartford, Connecticut is where they were. Home games was be, were because uh, Toronto and Canada would not let, you know, they would let Toronto come back in, I guess, but they would have to quarantine. But, like, the opposing teams, like Nashville just couldn't drive over there or fly into there and then immediately leave. Uh, Canada had very strict restrictions. So Toronto had to end up playing away from their families in a whole different state, whole different country, playing all these home games. Uh, for months at a time. And it just took its toll, it feels like, here. And Nashville, surprisingly, in the 108th minute, in the second half of extra time, Daniel Rios gets a goal that uh, was shocking. This this happened, like I said, during the Philadelphia game, so I didn't see it until I watched the highlights afterwards. I'd watched this game all the way up until, I think, the 85th minute or so before I had to switch over to the Union. Uh, so it was uh, just a... It's a good story for Nashville. You know, their first season ever. Uh, they didn't make it in MLS's back because of their virus outbreaks. They get to the playoffs. They beat the other expansion team that spent a whole bunch more money than them. And now they take out the two seed. And the one seed gets taken out for them as well. So they are really in a good spot going forward. They do have to face a tough crew team, but... You know, Toronto is tough, too. So uh, you never know what's really going to happen there. I think it looks pretty good for Nashville. Uh, and if not, if they get knocked out, this was a great run for a first season. You know, the Union didn't make it to the playoffs in their first season. Uh, I think it took until season two. Toronto missed the playoffs tons of times until <sighs> until they were around for a while. They, I think they were missed it for the first five or six years. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right here, but Orlando, this is their first time in the playoffs, and they've been in the league for five years, so Nashville to make it, yes, in an expanded playoff, uh, but I think the way that they were seeded, that, that they actually that they actually did okay. Yeah, so they were probably the seventh seed then, um, and they would have made it in there anyway. Expanded playoffs all the way to ten teams. I think they had eight previously, so that they extended for two more teams in the East. They would have made it anyway. And another point, too, that they would not have been in the Eastern Conference to begin with. They were originally in the Western Conference until this whole uh, MLS back tournament COVID stuff happened. Uh, then they moved them over to the East. And uh, they're doing very well. So we'll see if they stay in the East next year. I guess that will be interesting to follow. Because uh, we will also have Austin joining as well. Let's move on to the Supporter Shield winners, the Philadelphia Union here. They get knocked out. In a lifeless game, really bad game for the Union. Uh, 26 minutes in. Well, let's start off with like five minutes in. The Union have a great chance. Brendan Aronson passes it to Montero, who uh, like skies it over the bar. And me as a Union fan, uh, you know, I as a Union fan were like, uh, that looks great. That's a that's a great start. It would have been great to put it away, but we're we're looking good. And then it just didn't happen. Right, And then it seemed like by that 26 minute when Adam Buxa scores, it was building. It seemed like it was inevitable at that point. They had had a few chances uh, to put that away. Then 30 minutes in, Buchanan, who was fantastic in this game, by the way, uh, scores to make it 2-0 in both of these. 
assisted by Carlos Hill, um, who's been, you know, a great player for the Revs, and they're finally healthy now, and here we go. Uh, but if we look at the total chances then, miraculously, it says there was 15 total shots for the Union, 11 for the Revs, and that the Union had more possession. It wasn't that way early on. It definitely wasn't that way early on. I think once the Revs kind of had a 2 nothing lead, it just kind of the possession built onward for the Union. Uh, at halftime, they actually made a sub and took out uh, Jose Martinez, uh, also known as El Brujo. Uh, El Sino came in very early in this match. Uh, and that was needed, to be honest. Uh, Martinez was playing awful. He had a lot of giveaways that were just really, really bad and, and shaky. And, you know, he wasn't himself. I don't know what it was, but, you know, there's, you, we thought there was good news when it turns out that uh, Andre Blake was actually going to be back in time for this game. But, you know, it, the, the team itself just kind of came out and laid an egg. And it kind of reminded me of the Union of, of old, right? So let's let's break this down. The Union of old have lost the big games. And we showed a little bit of a difference here when the Union won the Supporter Shield, right? That was a game they had to win. Uh, by the way, it worked out with Toronto losing. They actually didn't have to win it, right? But you go into the game knowing we have to win. And it went down a goal against the Revs. They came back and won. And that you're like, okay, this is a game that in the past the Union would have lost. Last year was some improvement against the Red Bulls in the playoffs. I was at that game. Red Bulls take a 2-0 lead. Union come back and uh, win the game. And you're like, well, maybe that'll happen. But it just didn't seem like it. Like, there, there was really not a lot of spark. Not a lot of chances to... I mean, while it says 15 shots, it, watching the game, it did not feel like there was really any great chances. There was a header... Uh, that was whipped in. I think it was uh, Shabilko that could have got that one in, but it went right to the keeper. He was kind of invisible the whole game. He hasn't had a great season at all, really, after how good a season was last year. Corey Burke didn't really do anything when he came in. We took out Brendan Aronson 62 minutes in for Jack Elliott. Didn't really make a lot of sense, uh, really. Um, you know, uh, Kai Wagner had some shocking moments. It's like he already thought he was going overseas, I guess. And the Union lose. Remember, like I said, this was their like fifth time playing against the Revs, and this was the uh, the time that they lose, and that they were actually undefeated at Subaru Park all season, and they lose there for the first time, and it's in the most important match, and that's what you wonder if there's some sort of mentality issue at times. Hard to say, hard to know. Uh, you know, Jim Curtin did just win Coach of the Year, so I don't think it's really... I'm not advocating for him to get fired, but it does suck that every time there's a big game, except for twice, the Red Bull game and the Supporter Shield game against the Revs, that the Union kind of fold over. Um, and, man, the Union were chippy. They, they were getting into arguments. They were getting into fights. They were making bad tackles. As soon as the final whistle blew, they were, you know, getting in the Revs' face. And, and that's embarrassing for me very embarrassing because I feel like that's a losing mentality, right? Like you're, you're getting frustrated and you're like, we're usually better than this. I'm getting so frustrated. I'm going to just take, take it out on people. 
And that's not like somebody that's been there before. I feel like a team that's been there before can also lose a game with grace and not start doing all these flare-ups and, and arguments. And um, I, I saw stuff online saying that this was a bad performance from the union. That's true. I also said people heard people say this is bad refing, and I, I cannot agree with that at all. I don't think the ref was bad at all. I, I barely even noticed the ref in this game. Um, he, I think he did all right. I, I think he did all right. I, I don't see anything to really punish the ref for here. You know, for me, I feel like this was a this was a, a fine game by the ref. And you know, seeing people complain about that, I didn't really get that because it it didn't it didn't register for me the same way. So. It was kind of embarrassing to see a lot of the Union fans complaining about that, about that online as well. This was just a poor performance. The Union could have came out here and won. The ref did not make any game-breaking decisions that led to the Revs winning. And this is all in the Union here. So let's not, let's not get that mistaken. Seattle Sounders faced off against their rivals, LAFC. This has been a great rivalry in the last few seasons of the playoffs. LAFC, who has drastically underperformed in the playoffs. They won the Supporter Shield last year as well, just like the Union did this year. And uh, like most Supporter Shield winners, they did not win MLS Cup. But, uh, you know, while they did have injuries and they've had some issues, they were in this game in the first half hour, in the first half, and let it slip away from them pretty drastically. Let's go over it. Stats-wise, 52% possession to Seattle, 48 to LAFC. 13 shots by Seattle, 12 by LAFC. Shots on target. LAFC had more. They had four. Three on target for Seattle. All three of them buried into the back of the net. Starting off with Nicholas Ladero, 18 minutes in. This was a great play. This was Rui Diaz to Jordan Morris, who cuts it back to Ladero in the box, and he puts it away. And uh, Morris had a great game. So did Rui Diaz. He's He's been tremendous for Seattle. 21 minutes in, penalty for LAFC. So it's only three minutes after the goal. And you're thinking, okay, maybe this isn't going to be a Seattle romp like last year, which was 3-2 to two as well. But uh, Carlos Vela, I'm not really sure what he was doing here with his... Um, <laughs> With his with his penalty, it was a, it was a very very bad penalty. Uh, I'm not even sure how to describe it. Just kind of like I'm not sure if he was trying to do a panenka right in the center of the goal, thinking that Stefan Fry would dive away, but uh, he kind of hit it right at Stefan Fry. He didn't have to make a dive. That's how bad it was. And you know, here we go. That this is. Uh, you know that's that's how it goes, but uh, it's unfortunate for um, for LAFC that uh, you know Carlos Vela hasn't had his best games in the playoffs. Uh, as somebody that's been MVP, um, you know it, it's kind of unfortunate. Um, I know, hopefully Bob Bradley, you know. I think he has some excuses this season with injuries and missing DPs and stuff. But man, hopefully the LA, LAFC fans can hold on there because I think Bob Bradley will eventually get them there. But uh, just disappointing 
all around. So that, that was the first half there. Then 66 minutes in, Rui Diaz with a great goal. Uh, and then uh, Altuesta scores 77 minutes in, assisted by Carlos Vela, to make it 2-1. So at that point, if the penalty had been scored and everything works out the same way, which you can't say would happen, but let's just say for you know giggles that it's going to be uh, that Vela buries the penalty, Rui Diaz still scores 66 minutes in, Altuesta to score 77 minutes in, it'd be 2-2. But that's not what happened. And then three minutes later, after the Altuesta goal, Jordan Morris scores to make it 3-1, and uh, he had an assist and a goal. He showed up big. He should be definitely caught in to the December friendlies if uh, the U.S. men's national team is having that because he has been fantastic for Seattle this season and last season. He's been in really great form, and I would love to see Jordan Morris. I'm not saying he would probably start in any of these, uh, you know, if we had Pulisic and everybody healthy, but he'd be great in 2022 as somebody that can come off the bench with his speed and and make some great plays. Uh, I'm definitely down for that if that was to happen. Okay, so Seattle wins 3-1. to one. They won 3-1 to one last year against LAFC. Um, earlier this uh, this year, in October, LAFC won 3-1. to one. September, LAFC, uh, Seattle won 3-0. August, Seattle won 3-1. to one. July, uh, in MLS's back, LAFC got the better of Seattle 4-1. to one. Um... And then last year, October 29th, of Seattle 3-1 to there. So uh, it's been kind of a brewing rivalry between these two. And uh, actually, if you look at it, LAFC has more wins overall, five to Seattle's four with one draw. But Seattle's really won it in the two biggest games uh, in the playoffs. Um, MLS was back. Yes, it goes to LAFC, but they didn't actually get to the final and win the final like they probably should have. Um, and Seattle... It's looking like a really good pick to make the MLS Cup again, depending they can get through everybody else. But if they do, uh, that would be, what, like four and five years? There's the 2016, the 2017, the 2019, and the, yeah, it'd be four and five years, because uh, 2018 was Portland and uh, Atlanta. So that would be very interesting. There's no there's no way we can get a fourth matchup of Seattle and Toronto. Toronto went out. Seattle versus Toronto was, of course, uh, the 2016 MLS Cup that Seattle won, the 2017 one that Toronto won, and the 2019 one that Seattle won. So we're, we've been spared a fourth rerun of that in five years, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, people that know me know that Seattle, I, I really enjoy watching them play. They kind of are what got me into MLS back in 20, uh, 2009. Uh, that's where I started paying more attention to there. I'd been to 2007 MLS Cup, which was, what, Houston versus uh, New England. I, I've been to that match um, that Houston won back-to-back in 2006-2007. I'd been to a few games there, but tw- 2009, they had the Xbox logo on there. I had uh, the... Uh, you know, FIFA on Xbox, and I was starting a career as Seattle, and it got me to know the players. Freddie Montero, I really enjoyed him back in 2009. And I'd been to the Super Draft in 2008, 
which is when I saw the Sons of Ben, and it was announced that they were getting a team in 2010, and that's when I was like, okay, they're a closer team. They are the closest team to me. I can jump on a team that starts in the first, um, you know, uh, their first season, so they're only an hour and a half away from me. I'll follow Philadelphia, and the rest is history, but I've always had this soft soft spot in my heart for Seattle, and I actually just got this nice uh, jersey of theirs for 15 bucks on eBay. Uh, it's been a great <laughs> jersey. I love wearing it. It just sits nice, and I, I like the colors green and blue. My mom used to give me a hard time about wearing green and blue as a kid, saying it doesn't match. Well, now it does because there's a soccer team with it, and it matches. Sorry, Mom. Okay, moving on to the upcoming matches. Sunday, November 29th, kicking us off at 3 o'clock, is Orlando City SC versus the New England Revolution, which is now going to be hosted by Orlando. Because it would have been hosted by uh, the Union, but because they had, they went ahead and had um, home field advantage through the whole thing with the Supporter Shield, but they blew it. So now it goes to Orlando City, who's the fourth seed facing off against New England Revolution, who's the eighth seed. That's going to be on ABC at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Um, look, I'm going to be rooting for Orlando City there. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I have a soft spot for them as well since I lived in Orlando for a period of time while they were first in the league. And I love purple because of the Ravens. It's just fun to have a good fan base down in Orlando. Um, so hopefully that should be a good matchup. But New England Revolution is are, are going to be tough. Bruce Arena, as the coach, he's really turned them around. They got all their players healthy pretty much uh, with Harle- uh, Carlos Gill or Hill uh doing well and you got Gustavo Bo and Buxa who have been in good form recently and they just took down the supporter shield winners and Orlando has had a lot of hiccups recently as well in their form at times so I am a little concerned I mean they've won four out of their last five but you know there was a stretch there where they were losing to Miami I think they lost to Atlanta they've lost to Nashville recently it can be a little weary here for the Orlando City Lions at 8 o'clock on Sunday, we have Columbus Crew, who's the three seed now, against Nashville SC, who's the seventh seed. Um, that's at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, Nashville, again, can they do it? Can they make a great run, fairy tale run in their first season? Could they be the first team to win it in an expansion year since the 1998 Chicago Fire? We will find out. Interestingly enough, that 1998 team was coached by Bob Bradley, who, you know, a lot of people thought would do it again with LAFC uh, when he went there. But now they're three seasons in, and they are out again. But I think uh, Columbus might just be too good here against Nashville. I know Nashville, I think, did just recently. Uh, did they recently beat them head-to-head? Uh, no, they've only faced off once, and it was in September, and the crew won 2 nothing. So... Um, you would think history is going to repeat itself, but Nashville has been in good form. And Dax McCarty said on Extra Time, which is the MLS uh, podcast, official podcast, that uh, they're a better team now. They know who they are now. So maybe, just maybe, another upset is looming. Columbus Crew as the three seed are now the highest seed in the East with Toronto and Philadelphia both going out last round. Uh, and they had you know a little bit of a struggle against the Red Bulls, uh, where it was a little weary there for them but they made it through 
Then Tuesday. It's only one game on Tuesday. It's at 9.30. That's December 1st, my sister's birthday and my wife's birthday. Um, that's at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. It is Seattle Sounders, the two seed, versus FC Dallas, the six seed. We'll see how it goes with these teams head-to-head. Uh, they have uh, played this season. They have not faced each other this season. They were both canceled. They had a game in March that was canceled because uh, of COVID, and then uh, uh, the game on September 20th was canceled due to, I think, a COVID outbreak. So they've not played each other this season. Last year in the playoffs, Seattle Sounders won 4-3 to against Dallas. Um, so... That's any indication. We might get a lot of goals. And just looking at... Uh, that was a last-minute winner. I mean, a extra-time winner with Jordan Morris back in last season. Just speaking of it as well, Rowie, uh, Rui... Oh, sorry. Uh, Raul Rui Diaz, when you look at his stats in his 53 games played, 50 games started, he's got 33 goals for Seattle. But when we look at playoffs, he's had uh, seven games. Seven games started, and he has scored eight goals in uh, in the playoffs. And he's had six assists in the playoffs. He's playing out of his mind right now. He's playing out of his mind in the playoffs every year. Last season, he had a really great run with four goals in four games. He's got three goals in two games right now. Uh, no, he's got one ga- one goal in one game. Sorry, that was the previous uh, season, 2018. Um, and he's got two assists already this season with one goal uh, in one game. So he's he's off. Uh, he's playing well. Uh, we'll see how they do. I think that maybe Seattle might be too much of a match here for, for FC Dallas. But uh, it is MLS. Anything can happen. Just see... Toronto Nashville for that the last game of that next round of playoffs is Sporting Kansas City the one seed versus Minnesota United the four seed that's on Wednesday December 2nd at 9 p.m. on FS1 um Sporting survived a crazy match against the San Jose Earthquakes where they had to go to penalties which Tamelia saved each one but uh you know, against a team like San Jose, it's hard to judge. They're hot one game, they're bad the next. You don't know which one you're going to get. Minnesota United, you know, really just put the nail in Colorado Rapids' coffin pretty easily here uh, in that first matchup. That I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota uh, dispatches Sporting Kansas City in the history of these head-to-heads here. Four wins for Minnesota, nine wins for Sporting, and two draws. Uh, earlier this season, we had a canceled matchup of them back in November. Uh, back in September, Sporting Kansas City beat them 1-0. In August, uh, Sporting Kansas City beat them 2-1. Uh, Minnesota beat them back in July during the uh, MLS's back group stage. Uh, so we'll, we will see. And then they beat them at last September... Uh, Minnesota beat Sporting, but it it that's kind of like the most recent history here for the teams. Not a lot to go off of in that. Uh, so let's make some predictions here. I think is what I'm going to make here. 
predictions for these matchups. I think the Revs might just get the best of Orlando City. It's not what I'm rooting for, but they're healthy. They're hot. They just took down the best team in MLS right now. I'd be weary if I was Orlando. And they did that on the road, so I would be weary. They've won. Uh, they won a road game against the best team in MLS. Yeah, I'd be a little worried. Uh, Columbus Crew versus Nashville. I think the crew is going to win that one. I would love a Nashville-Orlando matchup, but I think we're going to get a crew-revs matchup in December. Uh, Seattle Sounders versus FC Dallas. I think Seattle is going to move on there. I just I can't see them losing. Uh, I guess I can. It's MLS, but I'm going to go a little bit cautious here and pick the higher seed. And Sporting Minnesota, I'm going to go risky here. I'm going to say Minnesota goes on. I would love to see them move on. I really want to kind of see a team with no MLS Cup wins, maybe win MLS Cup this season, uh, like a Minnesota-Orlando matchup, or a Minnesota-Nashville matchup would be really impressive, really fun. Uh, even throw New England in there. They've made it to the Cup quite a few times and have not won it. So... Yeah, I would really enjoy looking at that. But other than that, that's everything that we have for you today, really. Uh, if we look at Americans Abroad real quickly, it looks like Pulisic is going to be back and eligible to play this weekend. We'll see if he actually plays or if he's just going to be on the bench or coming as a sub. I don't think he'll start the way that they've been kind of cautious with him this season. Uh, but other than that, uh, not much else going on. Uh, we did have a few weeks ago, I, I mean, I guess... Did we talk about it yet on here? But Sergino Dest did score a Champions League goal. I guess it was on Tuesday. The week has kind of been an odd week with the holiday. But he did score his first goal for Barcelona. And the first American to score a goal for Barcelona. And Conrad De La Fuente came in. He was the first time two Americans had played in a Champions League game since uh, Jonathan Spector and Tim Howard for Manchester United back in like 2004. Um... So, some good stuff there. Uh, but but other than that, not much else going on. We will definitely be back again. Uh, those matchups are up until Wednesday. So, we'll probably be back breaking this down around next Thursday before the next round of playoffs happen. And we will see you then. So, have a great rest of your holiday. Continue soaking it all in. Watch the soccer games this weekend and enjoy. Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.